Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 176, and we are back doing our series on biblical womanhood. And Jordan is here with me again. How's it going? Going pretty good. That's very good. This is in our studio today. This is our bedroom. This is what we did last week as well. <laughs> we just put our kids to bed, so hopefully no one will come walking in here needing a drink or anything. And we cannot promise that. So there may no, be some, yeah, be hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, hey Mom, Dad. I need you. I need something. Mm-hmm. So that, that will be some fun distractions if they come. Okay. You guys know what that's about, right? For those that have kids. Today we're going to talk about biblical womanhood, we're going to set it up, we're going to be back in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and specifically Genesis 2, we're going to jump to Proverbs 31, and then Titus chapter 2, and we're going to talk about the glory of Christian womanhood, and uh, womanhood in general, which is work. Women are created to work. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to start with prayer though, and I just want to remind you that this is equipping pastors for preaching series on this, and talking and counseling to husbands and wives, or premarital counseling. It's, it's hopefully tools that can help you, and it's, it's just equipping you to do that, just that. But it's also for ladies as well, because we're talking to ladies, and a part of Jordan's call, for according to Titus chapter 2, is to train younger women to love their husbands and children, and to know how to work at home, and, and all that goes along with Titus chapter 2. So we're doing two things here, equipping pastors, and also for the ladies that are listening in, we've, we've been working through this, and we want to try to help as much as we can. So, you want to pray for us? Yeah. Okay. God, thank you for this time that we get to um, hang out together and talk about womanhood, and I pray that you would guide our speech and give us clear minds and clear speech to be able to communicate what you would want us to. And I pray also for the listeners that they would be encouraged and emboldened to live lives obedient to your call to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we mentioned it in passing last week, but I wanted to just talk about it a little bit. Our history with this kind of stuff started before we were married. Mm-hmm. And I actually gave you Elizabeth Elliot, Let Me Be a Woman, because I had read Let Me Be a Woman by Elizabeth Elliot and, and, I, the, Mark and the Mark of a Man. Those two books are really great books that speak to the nature of men and women. And it's a really a book that's um, somewhat out of the ordinary with complementarian theology, and it's more patriarchal in the sense that it's, uh, it's just not scripture. Apologetic. Yeah, it's just not apologetic. It's, it's mm-hmm. Elizabeth Elliot. So, I mean, she's not <laughs> trying to score brownie points with people that don't like her. But I gave you those books because I was preaching that sermon series, and it, it like didn't repulse you. No, it was, was honestly good. the work of God in my life because prior to that, I was going to college to you know do the typical feminist kind of thing, and um, was studying at a university and thought that I would go and get high paying career in the city somewhere. Nashville. Yeah, I was going mm-hmm. to Nashville. Right. And then and she met me, and I messed all of her plans up. <laughs> God messed all of my plans <laughs> right, right, through yeah. you, and I'm so thankful <laughs> right. that he did. Um, but, yeah, it was really cool because you started talking about the role of men and women in the church and in the home, and it was just, like, mind-blowing and beautiful and really appealing to me, which was just God working in my heart. So mm-hmm. I was very excited about it all. Yeah, it was fun. And we go back to those books. You I go just back reread to, Let Me yeah, Be a Woman last year. Let Me Be a Woman. And, really fun. and I just love it because she's, I mean, really gigging feminists and just the idea of egalitarianism 
and this was years ago. I mean, this she wrote that in the '90s, I think. And uh, so, I, I, it's just a really, it's really good. Two good works that we can recommend. Okay, I want to set this up, and then we're going to go bounce, just bounce this back and forth. I'll, sp- I'll speak some, and then Jordan will speak some. And thank you so much for listening already. There, there's been people that have said that they listened, and this has been helpful. The first one, first part. So we're working again through these six words: worship, work, help, submit, fear nothing, and love. So today we're talking about work. Now, in the garden, we have. A commission given to the man in chapter 2, verse 15, and it is the the covenant of works, covenant of life and works. And we see that starting in verse 15. Here's what it says. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it, to work and keep. Okay? That's the, that's the commission, the call to the man. And the Lord commanded, God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now Eve's role is going to be unique in the sense that she is helping him with this great work. And so there is a distinction in the garden before the fall about work and that work is given both to the male and to the female. The man as the worker and the keeper of the garden and the female, Eve, as the helper of the man, Adam. And This shows us that work is not inherently a product of the fall. This is a good thing. Work is good, and it is it has been cursed. But work in and of itself is a good and a a great gift that God gave to Adam and Eve in the fall. So now what we're going to see is this thread that goes throughout the scriptures then of masculine and feminine work. We are both called to work, but that work it, it reveals itself and it and it comes out in masculine and feminine ways. And then God is going to command us and commission us in masculine and feminine ways. And today we're specifically looking at the the Lord's call to the woman as a worker. So we're going to look at Proverbs 31 and Titus chapter 2. So you want to make some comments? I just, I love thinking about how work is a pre-fall activity. That it is not a bad thing to work hard and be tired and even be exhausted at the end of the day. I think it's in um, this book, The Convivial Homestead by Misty Winkler, uh, in the rest chapter, which I'm going to talk about later, she says in there, uh, just, let me just read it really quick, so I've got to open this. Falling into bed exhausted at the end of the day, or even crawling into bed at 3 p.m. for a much-needed nap is not a, is not a sign that you're doing something wrong, and I think our society makes us want to believe that if you're working that hard that you are exhausted, that that is a bad thing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but as women, we are created to work and to work really hard. And, and knowing that that is actually how God created us as human beings to live our life in, in a God-honoring way, working super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even Colossians 3, 23 and 24, Here whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. As your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Yeah. So in our work... We work hard as unto the Lord, working everything that we're doing for Christ. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Sometimes, I mean, any, any kind of work can sometimes feel arbitrary mm-hmm. or like nobody sees this. Because I think any time that work is done, you want it to be credited. You want people to see that. And you want people to, even if it's accidentally see it, you know, you're like, man, I hope my, I hope my wife sees this work I'm doing. And, some affirmation for Yeah, it. some sort of affirmation or something like that. But the, the great news about that is as we work under the Lord, God sees everything. And we want to honor Him ultimately. And it doesn't matter if we get the praise of people for it or really the praise of anybody for it. You know, God sees the work of our hands. And He makes that fruitful. He makes that work profitable. Yeah. Okay. So, so even though now cursed, we still work. Three thorns and thistles. Difficulty is not equal to bad. So to, we're going to flip the 
script here a little bit. We're going to go to Proverbs 31. So we're, we're looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament. Proverbs 31, for so many ladies, they've seen this as some sort of like, almost like a battering ram or something like that to feel guilty. And when you realize that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, then this picture of Lady Wisdom, and, and not just Lady Wisdom throughout all of Proverbs, but then the culmination of all of this is you see a wise woman in, a, in the the wife that is the picture of Proverbs 31. This is something that is, is glorious and something to work towards in a way that is not condemning because Christ has removed the, the curse that happened from the fall. So there's no there's no condemnation as we read Proverbs 31. And uh, don't read it that way. I mean, if you're reading it and feeling like, oh man, I'm blah, 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 I'm terrible. Well, stop doing that. And uh, part of biblical womanhood is being woman enough through the power of the Holy Spirit to hear what God has to say to you and not talk back. And so Proverbs 31 sets up this beautiful picture. And I want you to see this because this is really helpful. And I think this is really observable as well in the lives of a lot of ladies. And and Jordan, just interrupt me anytime as I'm working through this. But an excellent wife who can find. And I tell you what, there's (laughs) there's a lot of people, a lot of young men that are asking that question right now. And, you know, we've talked, I think, a little bit about this, but I mean, uh, Foster in his book talks about how 80% of all divorces are initiated by women. And there's a tragic problem that's happening right now where it's just a very difficult thing to find a godly young woman. Now, it's clearly a difficult thing for godly young women to find godly young men as well. It's not like it's just a one-way road here. But godly women are are hard to find. So an excellent wife who can find. Great question. Well, the passage goes on. And it begins to describe this woman, this wife that's being described. And I want you to see that in verse 18, we find that she she is, as she's working and building and, and working with her fabrics and, and creating clothing, and she's doing this for the household, she's recognizing in verse 18 that what she's making with her hands is profitable. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. So she's working hard and... She's working with flax, she's working with wool, and she's got these willing hands, and... It's a dryer. Okay, it's a dryer. I thought there was another pitter-patter out there. Mm-hmm. But she's consistently doing this, and in the search of taking care of her family, what's required in that, as we back up a little bit, not just from verse 18, but in verse 15, we find out, or excuse me, verse 16, we find out that she is considered a field, and she has bought this field. That she is a, a businesswoman, but she's a businesswoman in the sense that it's home first. She's wanting to take care of her household. And so what she's doing is all about the household. And we find that out very clearly because it's in verse 18 that she finds that her merchandise is profitable, meaning other people, somehow or another, she had to find this out. Other people are looking at what she's making for her household and they're saying, wow, that's really cool. Can you make some of that for me? Can you? We would like to buy that. We, we find out how desirable her, her merchandise was here in a little bit because we find that, that merchants actually had to come and merchants were taking her products afar. So this is a big industry that could have been made in this moment. But if you'll notice the structure of Proverbs 31, you'll find that this woman cares more about the home first. She's home-oriented first, which provides for us a great principle and for women a great principle that your primary work is always going to be in the home. It's always in the home. And any other work, it should be flowing out of that. So you have a primary secondary. And the scriptures don't ever say that, that women working outside of the home is wrong. It's just wrong if the home is being neglected. If the home is not your primary work, loving your husband and children and working from home, if that's not your primary, then there's something out of balance and out of out of order. And we see that not just in Titus 2, but here we are in Proverbs 31, seeing the same thing as we learn about this glorious woman, the excellent wife that few can find. 
Okay, so then it develops and opens up, and she continues to to do her thing, and she's even stretching her hands out to the needy. We see the benevolence of this woman, and and then in verse twenty one, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes a bed covering for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the gates when he sits among the elders in the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. There we go in verse 24. In verse 18, she finds that her product is marketable and it's it's very sellable. I mean, th- this would blow up in its Etsy, not Etsy, Etsy, <laughs> Etsy. It would blow up everywhere and it, it could have had her heart. She could have in that moment saw that and thought, Etsy account immediately, sorry, family, this is going to be really good for us. We're going to get our, you know, we're going to get uh, a lot of money that's going to be rolling in and I'm just going to use my talents and giftings in this way and give the best of myself to those people that are wanting to buy my product. So I'm going to pour myself into this work. She didn't do that. She hit pause. She waited. And then at the appropriate time, after her household is taken care of, her husband has honor at the city gates. Then at the appropriate time, she begins to work out of her work from the home. And I think that's a, I mean, it's, that's a principle that you see here. And I think it's a principle that's, that can be applied anywhere. And even up into today mm-hmm. is that ladies, your, your responsibilities are home first. That's so helpful. I remember the first time I heard you explain that. And I was like, yes, that is a great way to look at Proverbs 31. Because whenever you just look at the whole thing at Proverbs 31, you're like, but she's doing this and she's doing this. And like, how can this be going together? How is she doing this? all at the same time. And if you think of it through the lens of priorities, like home first, then helping in your sphere close to your home. Um, For me, it's like, okay, I know that my home is my first priority, my husband, my children, making sure that they are well taken care of. And then when my life has margins to stretch out further than that, which right now my margins are extremely slim. Mm -hmm. Um, but in seasons that I do have larger margins, then I'm going to look at my sphere closely around that. Mm -hmm. Um, like my church family, my extended family, other people around me that I might have more time to serve and care for. Um, and then if I have like really large margins one day, maybe then I will do some things that I have in my mind that Mm -hmm. I might do for money. Um, and even now, like there's occasions where I, do alterations and make some money. I work for my brother a day a week. Um, I do some merchandising at a boutique a day a week. It's not that doing things outside of the home is sinful, but if any point those were like taking me away from my duties at home and I was giving the best of myself to those secondary priorities, I should be able to have the heart check to say, okay, my priorities are out of whack. I am what I'm setting up for myself is unhealthy mm-hmm. for myself and for my family. Yeah. And hopefully either myself, my husband, my close sisters in my church would come to me and be like, hey, this is not what God's calling you to do in this season. You need to reprioritize and look to scripture of what you should be doing right now. Yeah. And I think that's the priority for, for the woman is that she should desire to work for her husband and for her children more than she does out there and even with personal development stuff. There has to be a willingness for all of us to to recognize timing, and there's seasons yes. in life, yeah. and there's a time and a place, and the, the 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 giftings that we have or the talents that we have, if that is getting in the way of our primary objective and responsibility that's been given to us by God. I mean, you stated it really really clearly. We just have to be willing to to do what God's called us to do, and then in time, those opportunities can come. Yeah. So there's a couple yeah. examples. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, and being good at something 
doesn't mean that you have to do it all the time. Right. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like you could be a really good accountant or mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just really good at being a nurse or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And, well, okay, that's fantastic, and I'm glad that God has gifted you in that way, but it doesn't negate Scripture, and it doesn't mean that we don't then follow the wisdom and principles of Scripture. Right. Well, with giftings, we have to use giftings as prescribed by the Lord, mm-hmm. and so we don't have the liberty to use what we're able to do in any way that we want to do it, mm-hmm. because God regulates, He gifts us to do certain things, but then He regulates how those gifts are supposed to be used. So just because a lady might have a gifting in some particular thing, she still has a calling that's more important than her gifting, which right. is to the home, loving her husband and children. Yeah. We, we uh, There's a tragic example of this. I'll give you two examples, one positive, one negative, one positive. There was a lady that we heard speaking at this, at this conference, and she was talking about how uh, she wanted to use her giftings, and as she was using her giftings, it was pulling her away from the family. So her primary work was being neglected, and what she was saying is that because she was gone, it required her husband and children to step up and to fill the void that she was leaving by going out. Like spun and, it and somehow tried to make it sound like a positive thing. Yeah, like thing, it was a positive thing. Now, that if, her family was picking up her slack for her. Now, and if, if a man was up there saying that same sort of thing, the exact thing, what I would counsel him to do and what every pastor in that room would have counseled him to do is like, dude, you need to go home. Like, stop right now. Go home. They would say what MacArthur said to Beth Moore. Stop neglecting that your man. family, man. Yeah, like, like, dude, go home. Because it, it's not like that men have the liberty to neglect their families. But with ladies, we have this idolatry. It seems like there's an idolatry of gifting where this lady needed to be told, just, you need to go home. Stop doing this. This is this is neglectful. And this it's tragic. This is the wrong season. It's tragic. Your family needs you right now. So that's the negative. The positive side of this, Dr. James Dobson. His father was a traveling itinerant preacher, well sought after, and everybody's heard of Focus on the Family. Well, that name came from Dr. James Dobson's commitment to Dr. James Dobson Sr., I think that was his name, but James Dobson, the guy that started Focus on the Family, was a troubled teen and was acting up, and his mama called the dad, who was an itinerant preacher, and said, I need you at home, and he canceled all of his speaking engagements. He was a well-sought-after evangelist when evangelists were doing these you know, traveling revival things, and he was traveling all over. And so he stopped, focused on his family. He took four years, didn't take any outside speaking engagements for four years to focus on his family. And then that made a lasting impression. And then how many people have been helped? You know, I know that Focus on the Family isn't the, you know, the favorite ministry of everybody today, but there's been a lot of great things that's happened through that. And that's a positive example of somebody willing to go home. And I think we have a million, not a million, but a lot of positive examples within our church. Mm-hmm. And I know that our family has reaped the rewards of Jordan committed to working, being committed to working from home, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And uh, it's been a neat thing. Thank you. Okay, Titus 2? Yeah, let's do Titus 2. Okay, and then we're going to wrap yeah, things so up here. I pretty have a couple other things. You have a couple things. Okay, and then we'll wrap things up. This is a, a clear command for older women to teach the younger women. Here's what it says. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to too much wine. They're to teach what is good. There's that teach thing. They're, they are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children and and to to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. So ladies are called not to simply be at home. That's where women should primarily be, is a home, domestic, building building a household. Mm-hmm. And and that's <laughs> this quote that we're about to read here in just a minute is that we want to build a household economy. I mean, that's what we want. We want productive households. We want to to have a home that 
is the central place of productivity for our family. We don't want it to be a place just to, of retreat and rest. We do not want the home. That's not what the household is. It's not just a place of retreat and rest. It is a place of productivity and it's a place of work. So for a lady to be at home, it's not just to be at home. The command is that older women are to teach the younger women how to be workers at home. There is a craft of domesticity within the walls of your dwelling place that God has determined that you should live. And you are commissioned to beautify that place, to build that place, to make it to make it a place that 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 your family wants to be at and wants to grow in. Even if you don't have children, if it's just you and your husband, that you're 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 creating this place that is productive and that it's good. And so your call is to work from home, not just to be at home, to love your husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, and also submissive to your own husbands. And this is all that the word of God may not be reviled. Here's the thing. Which is a big deal. It is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Ladies, if you are if your nose is going up right now and you don't want to be a worker from home and, and that to be your primary work, then the word of God gets reviled. I mean, and, and we think that we're doing some you know, ladies who go out and as my friend Scott Tungay says, that they're they just go out to be the boss babe or they just go out to, you know, build their empire or something like that out there, you are reviling the word of God. You are you are looking at what God has commanded you to do and acting just like Eve. And saying, no, I don't want to do that. And yet there are these countless stories of ladies who even have said in the past, well, I just couldn't do that. That's not, that's not what I've built, been built for. And the easy response when ladies are saying, well, I, I just, that doesn't make me come alive. The home doesn't make me come alive. My work makes me come alive. Well, if, for instance, a man, after hearing the command, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, if... I heard that command and I said, that doesn't fulfill me. I just don't want to love her like that. I don't want to pursue loving her like that. That's not fulfilling to me. And so I just could never do that. Then every, I have like, like 30 guys at our church that would be like, uh, dude, what are you talking about? And they would like bow up and, you know, (laughs) like, you know, bring correct correction there. And that's what I'm to do for the men in our church where as a shepherd, uh, then I'm to reprove with all authority and say and rebuke with all authority to any man who would say, well, that doesn't fulfill me. I would say, well, it doesn't matter if it fulfills you. Do what God has called you to. That's the thing is you have been called to this. So by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, go and walk in that. Yeah. I think women, we are created in our DNA from the Lord to nurture, to love, to create things, people to nourish, to sustain and help. And we're either doing that well or we're not doing that well. Right. Um, and we're either leaving good examples for our generations or not great examples for our generations. I think we should take it really seriously. Um, the quote that you were talking about. So Lewis calls the, calls the career of homemaking the ultimate career because it is for what all other careers exist. Mm-hmm. I think that he says um, in one of his books... Uh, it's like trains and doctors and he like lists off a bunch of things. He's like, these all exist for the household. Yeah. Um, what, what is the, what is the doctor doing when he's going to do his, you know, doctor work or whoever, when they're leaving their house to go to do their work, they're doing that to bring, to bring resources to the home that, that the home would be built up. And so the, the whole goal of all of that is we, we want to build a household. I mean, this is for the good of the household. And this is the primary call of this wife of the woman is to build this household yeah and we are just living in a time that sees the household as very unimportant very um 
just disposable. Like, we don't really have to spend time there other than sleeping. Um, or we can sleep other places, no big deal. We don't have to eat there. We live in a very drive-through society. Um, but as Christian women, we are called to take the home very seriously, to know that our work is eternal work. Um, feeding, clothing, kissing, washing little eternal souls in our homes, that it's a glorious work and it's not to be taken lightly. Mm -hmm. That we work for the people that God has given us and we work as in unto the Lord, as we talked about earlier. That we know that what we are doing is eternal, that these are eternal beings that we are um, being called to shape and to mold and to influence and to teach and to feed and to wash and Mm -hmm. to do all the tasks that um, the world may deem menial, but they're important and they're glorious. And like I said again, they are eternal, that this this matters in a very huge cosmic way that we can't see, but that we are trusting the Lord to this cosmic work of kissing little baby faces. Yeah. Well... Here's the lie, and if, if ladies, you're listening into this, and you're thinking, ah, but my work, I love my work. That may be true that you love your work, but here's the thing. If you love that more than building a household and working for your husband and working with your children and raising them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, if you can just take a second and step back and realize, wait a minute, what you're saying is, is that there's one thing that's more fulfilling, and it's over here doing my work than raising my children and being a good wife and building this household and primarily working from the home as God has commanded me to. And this is Eden on repeat over and over and over again, where a woman will say, yes, I know better than you, God, that won't fulfill me. Mm -hmm. And you may be saying, well, my husband doesn't want me to do this. Have him listen to this. Have him reach out to me. Have him listen to the series that I've done for men. And, and then I mean, obey the Lord. So redo your budget, quit your work if that's the primary thing and you can't focus on your house and go home. That's what you should do. Like take drastic steps financially if if that is what is um, holding you back from changing your house into a home to where a woman, the wife can stay home. Um, I mean, it's worth it. Take Mm -hmm. drastic steps financially. Pray in the Lord to provide. Trust Him yeah. that through steps of obedience that He really will provide. He's provided for us. We've made... Over and over again. <laughs> through the years, there's been times where we made very little money, and I have yeah. never had to work. That yeah. God has always provided for us in miraculous ways. We should do an episode just on yeah, like, God's provision for us. Yeah, seriously. Um, it's been amazing, like miraculous over and over and over again, the way that God has provided in a very steady way to where we have never even been concerned about finances. Mm -hmm. There's never been a single month of our marriage that it's like, oh, I hope that we're going to be able to make it this month. Or like, we better not eat out this month even. Mm -hmm. Like, there's never been that. That God has always provided above and beyond and um, on one income family. And like I said, I do random things on the side. I make some money sometimes mm-hmm. but yeah. never and i never... buy and sell a little bit on facebook marketplace yeah, we do some random things on the side <laughs> jared's always worked like four jobs at a time yeah, but I it's have. fine he's I always have. been very cheerful and happy to do it yeah. and i think that goes into again just like a wife being able to i am home full time so i hope that i have been able to love and support and help you as you are yeah. working really hard to support our family and that our sons see a dad that's willing to do that, to yeah. willing to lay himself down, his his own convenience down for the sake of the household. Yeah. Which has been glorious well, yes. and awesome. It's been great. 
Um, Thank you. Let's see what else I was going to say. It's great to have a wife that wants to obey the Lord. That's a really good thing. Should we say and, some caveats? Like No, we don't. We don't no, need to. None? No, just okay. read that last quote. We need to wrap it up because we're, sure? our time is, yeah, we, we're, we're pretty. It's kind of long. It's kind of long. Like, what caveat? Like, well, I know. Like, there are times when a woman has to work for different reasons. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're, we're speaking very specifically here, but, um, I mean, you guys know if a husband dies, if he's maimed in, you know, a car there's, crash uh, or something like that. There's always scenarios. Just be, pretend like we said all the scenarios, yeah, right. you know. Okay, got it. Yeah, okay. Exceptions, right, but the exceptions don't make rules. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so then, so a woman's work is hard. Mm-hmm. It can be discouraging at times. It can feel like you are just, because you are, you're 24-7. Mm-hmm. You're 24-7 mm-hmm. on the clock. And sometimes that can feel discouraging. Well, I read a really awesome chapter in um, this Misty Winkler book, The Convivial Homeschool. Hold that up. Okay, so it's called The Convivial Homeschool. We homeschool, go. so this has been a really good uh, book. We gave it out to all our ladies at Christ Church. And there's just some really good stuff in here. So, um, so the temptation for the stay-at-home mom or the working-from-home mom is that you need to get a break out there, that you need to have your time to be recharged and refueled and, like, out there will be that for you. But uh, she talks about in here a time where she was able to go and get a break and then she came back and realized, like, hmm, I actually just wanted someone to do all my work for me and that was actually just really selfish. And she talks about how actually what we need is continued conviction and repentance. And she said, conviction and repentance had to come before I could actually get any rest, before I could catch a spiritual break. The work required to stand before God, to stand before God had been done for me. Now I needed to wash the dishes gratefully in love and service, not to try to get out of the work just because the most important work wasn't mine. That other things, the secondary things, the the time, the blessing of getting to go out and get a pedicure or like getting to go out with a group of friends to go out to dinner, those are blessings, but they are not necessary for us to feel rested and refreshed, that that, that comes from the Lord. And I just wanted to like give an admonishment for that because mm-hmm. I know that the work of a woman can feel overwhelming. Um, so I just wanted to give that, like, go to the Lord and rest, like go to the Lord in repentance. Whenever you're feeling like grumpy and overwhelmed, repent for that, repent, repent for that. And this is like totally me too. I, this is just always ministering to me to read this chapter. Um, in the Bible, God tells us what will bring us rest and peace in him. Go to the church, go to church every Sunday, go to good church on Sundays, read the Bible and pray, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, give thanks in all things, repent of unkindness, pride and irritability, love others, rejoice always. And if all of that sounds unreasonable, then we need to repent of our unbelief. If we're thinking like, no, actually I need to have my time that I go out and get coffee once a week with a friend. It's like, no, you don't need that. What God says we need is his word is gathering together with believers is repenting of our sin. Um, so anyways, it's good on and on and on this chapter goes. So I would repent or I would recommend that. Yes. There we go. Convivial homeschool. All right. So pastors, if God's word says it, then we declare it. And when it comes to these issues of manhood and womanhood and specifically speaking to women, you don't have to be a woman to speak to women. You have to have God's word, and it's God who speaks to women. Mm-hmm. So don't apologize for what God says. And ladies that are filled with the Holy Spirit, they can handle it. Yeah. They can handle what God has to say to them. Mm-hmm. And ladies, repent if you're walking in disobedience and honor the Lord. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus to mm-hmm. repeat. Uh, therefore, 
you know, obey him and honor him. Okay, guys, we're working through these six words. Worship, work, helps a bit. Fear nothing, love. We will be back next week if you would with like. help. Yeah, with help, helping. Uh, so if you'd like to share or subscribe, please do. And again, if you want to support the channel, you can do that with a one-time gift or with a monthly uh, donation that will you know, just come, I don't know, whenever you set that up, first of the month, middle of the month, or whenever. But thanks so much for coming back. Spread the word and uh, reach out to us. Let us know if this has been helpful. Anything else? That's all I got. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye.